This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Dr. Rob Fraley, Executive Vice President and Chief Technology Officer for Monsanto. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the crop insurance industry. NCIS provides the primary safety net for millions of acres of cropland and hundreds of commodities across the U.S., enabling farmers to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. Monsanto's Dr. Rob Fraley joins us next here on Open Mic. America's farmers and ranchers are relying on crop insurance now more than ever before to provide individualized protection and to secure operating loans. Protecting more than 290 million acres of farmland and more than 130 commodities across the U.S., crop insurance is the primary safety net for many farmers, enabling them to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. Crop insurance, providing peace of mind now and for the next generation of agriculture. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Dr. Rob Fraley has played an integral role in Monsanto's transition from an industrial chemical company of the early 80s to a biotech company and now one of the largest seed producers in the world. Fraley says Monsanto's research teams are racing to bring about change, not just for their company and their customers, but for their competition. We license today almost 200 seed companies around the world, including the, the seed companies that would be our stiffest competition. But, but here's what it means. You know, I, I, I talk to my scientists. You know, we talk about we're going to discover the next new trait or the next new technology, and then we're going to license it to all of our competitors. What does that cause? That causes even more energy and more focus on, on the next new trait or the next new technology. And I think one of the reasons, in hindsight, that we've, we've been able to continue to innovate in these new spaces, you know, like the traits, like the advanced breeding, like the microbes, like the data science tools, like the BioDirect, has been, you know, we are constantly pushing for that next new thing because that's what's going to drive the change, that's what's going to create the breakthroughs, and that's what's going to give farmers the new tools and the new innovations, you know, for their operation. I've talked to people in the research community, and some are concerned because they feel that our efforts toward research are guided that it has to be a five to seven year window that there has to be a return. And they suggested that years ago in research you just followed the science to see where it would take us. Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, just to put my own personal history on that, I mean, I joined Monsanto in 81. We developed the first techniques to put genes into plants in 1983. And as you recall, we didn't sell the first biotech seed product till 1996. So that was 15 years of, uh, of uh, research and investment. And, you know, I give, uh, I give the Monsanto, you know, leaders at the time a lot of credit for their, uh, for their foresight. You know, the, the way I look at it, and, and when I think about how you manage research and research time frames, the easiest thing for, you know, someone in research to do is just focus on the short term. Try the next new formulation or the next new incremental improvement. And, the, and you know, you can always do that. You know, you can always tweak something a little bit. The next easiest thing to do is to only focus on the 20-year out because 20 years hardly ever comes. The important thing to do, I think, whether you're doing research in a company, in a university, or in a farming operation, is have that balance where you're doing the systematic short-term improvements 
you've got the long-term vision, and you've got the stuff in the middle that you know is going to pay the bills in the future. And so I think managing that as a, as a portfolio, just like you would your investments, where you're managing your risk across different technology platforms and different time frames is the key. And one of the things I like about you know our portfolio today is you know we're making constant advances in breeding of new soybean varieties, new cotton varieties, new hybrids using these advanced breeding techniques. You know we're introducing a new wave of traits. You know within a few years we'll have you know the uh, SmartStacks Pro, we'll have the Roundup Ready Extend technology, and then we've got some exciting new riskier platforms like the microbes where, you know, we're studying microbes that can coat the seed and increase, uh, you know, plant growth. You know, we've got BioDirect, which is just a, a fascinating, exciting technology, but, you know, it's going to have some real technology challenges that we need to overcome. And then we've got tools like the data science tools that, you know, are already touching 75 million acres of growers using them, and we still haven't, I think, scratched the potential that these tools have for helping farmers uh, with their decision-making. A lot of the headlines about Monsanto's desire to acquire Syngenta. What were the strengths of Syngenta that made that favorable for your company? Well, there were there were a couple things, and you know I'm uh, I'm still getting over a bit the uh, the disappointment of not uh, not being able to be successful with that deal because I think it would have been a, a great deal for both companies. I think it would be a, a a tremendous deal, you know, for the shareholders of both companies. But the 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 combination just uh, would create more opportunity for research, investment, and innovation. You know, more more uh, more capability, more size and scale. The two things that we saw that I thought were were really important that the combination created. The first thing is, you know, we have just a, a, as a company a deep core strength in biology and genomics. And Syngenta has a real core strength in their chemistry programs. You know, they're, they're clearly one of the world leaders in fungicides and herbicides and insecticides. Scientifically, the knowledge of genomics and the knowledge of chemistry and molecules is coming together to help create, I think, a whole new wave of crop chemical products. And so the combination, I think, would have, would have accelerated that. The other thing we, we saw that was exciting is, um, you know, if, if you look at agriculture on a global basis, agriculture is changing in every country around the world. And there are now countries in Asia and Africa that are going to become, you know, significant ag players in the future. And, you know, I, I would say most companies, including ourselves or Bayer or Syngenta, don't have that strong international footprint. And when you kind of mapped out where Monsanto was doing business, where Syngenta was doing business, I think the combination created a pretty strong footprint in some of these developing agricultural markets. So really, the the interest in bringing the chemistry together, the expanded footprint, were really, I think, strong uh, you know drivers of, of the deal. A few weeks ago, we announced the uh, Syngenta management team and board had no interest in a uh, in pursuing the uh, discussion. So uh, you know we've stopped it. That means we'll be back on our path of continuing to drive our breeding and our biotech program. We'll focus a little more on the chemistry area with some of the new discovery work that we're doing. You know, we, we've got some pretty cool things going on with next generation fungicides and uh, nematicides in our program. The next big platform for us is going to be dicamba. We announced a few months ago that we're going to build a, a billion dollar uh, dicamba manufacturing facility because the dicamba trait 
which will launch next year as extend in both soybeans and cotton is also being introduced into corn into sugar beet into canola into alfalfa so we see that combination of the roundup ready and the dicamba trait to be a mainstay for weed control for decades to come so we will uh, continue to uh, advance down that path and then we'll look at smaller acquisitions uh, and licensing agreements uh, you know we have about 15 or 20 chemicals already you know licensed into our roundup ready plus system you know we'll expand that and so uh, you know it won't be the uh, the step change that the business combination would have provided but you know we're well on our way to integrating the use of the seed, the seed treatment, the trait, the chemistry, the data science tools together because, you know, as I talk to farmers, they, they really recognize that they'll be able to make better decisions if these tools are designed and linked together and if the data that they generate can be collected and used to really you know make each of those decisions better i think it's safe to say you've dedicated your life to science and this company has dedicated itself to research and improving the status quo and as you said it's suggested not just for your company but for others that license with you in the realm of science there is a path that farmers are calling for and companies like you are advancing and looking for uh, the next frontier. Yet there is a portion of our society that would rather go backwards than forwards. So with these two roads, how do we resolve this? Well, uh, it's a great question and and I I think, you know, clearly I I think the success of agriculture has, you know, we've become our, our own worst enemy. You know, I can remember, you know, I grew up on a farm in Illinois, so I have been in agriculture and science all my life. Uh, you know, my farm, my dad farmed, my grandpa farmed. Uh, you know, back when my grandpa was farming just a couple of generations ago, you know, half the people who lived in the state were on a farm. And they understood farming and agriculture and, and production. And, you know, today across the country, probably less than 1% of the population is involved in farming. And so... I I think what that means to me is that those of us who are in agriculture, who are involved in it, have that additional responsibility and obligation to really reach out and communicate to that other 99% who maybe today only has a a distant memory of visiting a farm or, uh, or, uh, you know, knowledge of farming and food production. And so, you know, I know that we can do a better job on that communication. And as a company, uh, we've shifted a lot of our resources to direct public communication. I spend a lot of my time in outreaching, uh, both through social media, on, on Twitter. I write a lot of articles for the popular press, like Huffington Post and, uh, and LinkedIn and articles like that. And then I get involved with TV programs and uh, literally cooking shows and debates. Uh, and, and the good news is, what I find is, there is a huge interest in food and how food is produced and where it comes from. And I think as we tell the story of agriculture in this country and and the care that farmers have in terms of their stewardship of the land or the passion that they put into producing, you know, the the largest and safest you know food supply for the world. Um, I think consumers get to that point, and uh, and I'm I am absolutely convinced that. That's a story that resonates both from the perspective of food security, but also 
our ability to bring these new farming methods into agriculture to be able to farm more precisely, to be able to farm more sustainably and more effectively. And, and that's what, you know, that's what the world needs. I mean, you know, the world continues to grow. The demand for food is increasing. Uh, you know, by the time 2050 rolls around, which is just 35 years away, we have to double the food supply on the planet. I think we can do it, uh, but we can only do it if we, you know, can use these new tools to farm better and smarter in the future. Do you see the discussion changing if suddenly or if in the evolution of genetically enhanced crops that now there are traits where consumers benefit from a, from a higher nutritional standpoint or a health benefit? I, I think a lot of these new tools, uh, you, know, we, you know, we were talking about microbes. You know, one of the hottest areas of, of medicine and healthcare are probiotics. You know, so, you know, you, you, you buy a yogurt, it has bacteria that help your gut. Well, we're studying microbes that we can coat on seeds that are probiotics for corn plants or soybean plants. Uh, you know, the BioDirect technology is, uh, is like a vaccine for the plant, just like you would vaccinate a, a child to, to eliminate uh, measles and things like that. I think that there's an absolutely a consumer interest in food and that we can do a much better job of communicating uh, these benefits. And one of the things I've really learned that's important is don't, don't focus on the extremes. I mean, there are, there are folks who are anti-agriculture, anti-science, anti-GMOs, anti-biotech, anti-Monsanto, you know, but it's a very small percentage of the population. The vast majority of the, of the people in the middle are open-minded. They want to they interact. They want to have a dialogue. And I think you know, with the new social media tools, you know, we, we can have that dialogue publicly. And frankly, I have been really, I would say, surprised and shocked as I think about over the last year or so, you know, the incredible articles that have come out of the New York Times, out of National Geographic, out of a variety of, uh, of reporters and media that are now, you know, wrestling with and coming to grips with the fact that, you know, one of the greatest challenges facing mankind is doubling the food supply in the next 35 years and recognizing that we need to make smart decisions today about the science and the policies so that we have the tools that let us, you know, double the food supply in the face of climate change, in the face of, you know, more pressures on water use. The only way we can do that is to is to farm forward, to farm smarter, to farm better, and that's what I think, uh, you know, has become the, uh, you know, the the view that brings everybody together. I, I describe it as the uh, the common ground that uh, you know there will be more people. That we will need more food. Our choice is how to farm better and smarter so that we can achieve food security, but at the same time protect and enhance the environment. And and that's a message I think resonates with almost everybody. What are your thoughts toward labeling? For me, the the best way to approach labeling is through voluntary labeling. And the reason for that is, you know, the FDA regulates labeling based on, based on health and safety concerns. You know, the one thing we know about the, uh, the biotech science and GMOs, you know, they've been in the marketplace for 20 years. 
there's not been a single food or feed safety issue ever associated with the technology has a tremendous track record for its safety so the label on the grounds that there's some safety concerns is you know doesn't make sense it wouldn't comply with the you know the f d a guidelines on the other hand we know and i recognize that there are you know consumers who want to know what's in their food where their food is produced how it's produced and they have a right to that and for me the common ground is is to is to deploy voluntary labeling and anything that's produced as an organic product by definition is gmo free there are organizations that that certify as gmo free foods and there's literally you know twenty thousand different foods available in the grocery store shelf that are certified as gmo free so i think there's a way of achieving both you know just recently the secretary of agriculture talked about using the QR codes and some of the barcoding as to provide additional information you know for consumers that's the way we should approach it and that way uh, that way uh, you know everybody wins and everybody benefits dr. Farley we want to thank you so much for taking time to spend with us here on open mic it is open mic and the open mics yours well uh, obviously you know I um, you know I'm here at uh, farm progress and watching uh, Watching lots of, uh, of, of just incredible advances, you know, advances in seed, advances in uh, equipment, uh, new traits, uh, new technology from uh, from uh, satellite images to um, to uh, you know understanding and literally being able to analyze you know the different microbes that represent the uh, you know the the potential soil health and yield potential of the field. So the the science is incredible. I mean, I describe it like this. I mean, you know, if you think back about our about the the period we're living in, the two greatest scientific advances are the advances in biology. You know, the the knowledge of the genes, the genetics, and the genomics, and now the advances in data science and information technology. You know, the image, the sensors, the ability to to take all that data and turn it into useful recommendations, and they're all coming together on the farm. You know, I I tell folks, I uh, I don't lose a night's sleep thinking about whether we have the tools and the innovations that will allow us to double the food supply and to grow crops at much higher yields with with less inputs. We can do it. What I worry about and what I end every talk with is the importance of communicating as farmers, as participants in agriculture, the importance of communicating directly to the consumer. Uh, You know, we've... uh, you know, we've learned a lesson that science alone isn't enough, that regulations alone aren't enough, that we have to have the, the understanding and the trust of the consumer with these new products and new tools and, ne- and technologies. And so I think all of us in agriculture, all of us, the, the 1% who are on the farm today, need to reach out to that other 99% across the country and, and, and really convey to them and I see it every day, the, the passion that a farmer has to pass his land off to the kids and grandkids in, in a better condition, you know, farming more sustainably, using better technologies, or the care that a grower takes to, to grow their crop, whether it's a corn or a soybean crop, or, you know, if it's the Central Valley of California and it's carrots and lettuce. I mean, the passion that farmers have around the environment and around the food is incredible. And that's the story that we need 
to ensure that consumers understand and make that connection. So I encourage everybody to reach out in their communities, in social media, in the blogosphere, uh, writing articles. But, you know, agriculture is a wonderful story. It's a great success. It's critical to all of our futures. And it's a story we just all have to tell and tell and tell. Our thanks to Dr. Rob Fraley, Executive Vice President and Chief Technology Officer for Monsanto, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the crop insurance industry. NCIS provides the primary safety net for millions of acres of cropland and hundreds of commodities across the U.S., enabling farmers to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.